Coming up, ritual killings, devilish dealings, and nuns who are willing. <laughs> All this, plus Mr. Robertson's Neighborhood, Satan in the News, and a particularly inspired session of Q&A in our Ask the Goat segment. Whip out your jelly beans. It's an Easter episode of Kiss the Goat. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. My name is X, and this is Kiss the Goat. Light a candle for the sinners, set the world on fire. This circle is closed, nothing (coughs) is true, and everything is permissible. This is episode 21 of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. Everyone, please put your hands together and say a hello from beyond the veil to our patron saint here at Kiss the Goat. Mr. John Carradine. And this is John Carradine. Witches, they pray. I know the secret. Full moon, killing things. I'm going to take the brain of a lesbian and put it into the body of a man who works for the telephone company. But why? What good will this do anybody? It'll show those fools who call me mad. We've always prided ourselves as being more than just a devil movie podcast. We like to think that we go just a little bit deeper than that. And we certainly don't mean to offend anybody with the content on our program. And that is not true at all. We always (laughs) figured if you were offended by anything in our goofy little show, then you needed to be offended just to get your head out of your own ass. So when we were planning our Easter episode, we thought... Why the fuck are we doing an Easter episode? I mean, really, isn't that pretty much the exact stone-cold opposite of what this show is about? Which is precisely why we did it. Gotta keep you fuckers on your toes, don't we? So, on the day when Christians around the world are talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ... We figured it was our civic duty to talk about a movie that deals with the exact opposite. That's what we do. It's not just a job. (laughs) It's an adventure. So please hang out with us as we celebrate Easter by talking about the Hammer Studios production from 1976 to The Devil, A Daughter. We'll be back in three days. Woohoo! 72 movies that shocked a nation and made an infamous list the video nasties. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you can join me and my co-host Andy Blockley. Hello, hello. As we chat about 
the 72 films, reviewing them all from the video nasty list live on our podcast. Tell them about it, Andy. Okay, 1982, 20,000 films were seized in London alone because they were too nasty to be watched. Come and find out why. That's right. The show's called Doing the Nasty Podcast. You can find it exclusively on the Horrorphilia Network of Podcasts. Come and check us out. It's time to visit Mr. Robertson's neighborhood to find out what Reverend Pat has to say to us today. My son heard sounds that sent painful shockwaves through his body as I was praying for him, and I called on the name of Jesus. My son said it felt like something hit him very hard in the stomach. I know this is not of God. He's a Christian. Can Christians be attacked by demons? Uh, he could be attacked by demons, and he might be uh, oppressed or possessed by demons. I don't know anything about you. I don't know his faith. I don't know his, but it sounds like that child has there's something in the influence. And uh, you need to get somebody with you who understands the spiritual dimension and doing uh, spiritual warfare. But you don't want some quack in there that's casting out non-existent demons. But at the same time, you need to look back. And I, if I were to look back at your family, well, what in your family? Do you have anybody involved in the occult, somebody in witchcraft or tarot cards or psychic things? Uh, has there something been there that uh, you don't know about, some grandparent, great-grandparent or something? Look into the family tree and then get some people in there and cast this stuff out. <laughs> that Pat Robertson, he's so wacky. <laughs> you just <laughs> never know. What the fuck kind of hilarity he's going to come up with next? Crazy old man. The fucking Spyro Keats have finally eaten through his brain stem. That sounds really gross. What's well, Spyro Keats? Of course it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, kids? We have spent a lot of time talking about Satan and other states and different parts of the world. Especially my favorite, Balls Over England. Falls over! Hi, I'm Debbie. Happy thoughts in Balls Over. We sell greeting cards, gifts to do a free wrapping service. If you're in Balls Over, pop down and see us. We'd love to see you. Thank you. But we think it's only fair. If we talk about some things that have happened in our own nape of the neck of the woods, just, you know, in the interest of fairness. Hold on to your son's fear. It's time for Satan in the News, Knoxville Edition.
mean, I was born and raised here. I can't imagine living anywhere else. And trust me, I've tried. But people are people. And this is in no way meant as a defense of some of the asshats who live here. Every town's got them. And here are some of ours. Uh, the pastor at the Knoxville Baptist Tabernacle thought it would be a grand idea if he posted a sign that said, Remember, Satan was the first one to demand equal rights. <laughs> what does that mean? Seriously, what the, what the fuck does that mean? Well, the local LGBT community certainly took offense to it. And so did the women. And so did the African-American community. And so did every single person who has ever fought to right a social injustice. Well, the pastor of the Tabernacle, Tony Green, says, (laughs) Our sign, referencing Satan demanding his equal rights to ascend into the heavens and be God, was simply I and all about that individual. It was not a particular statement against any one group. You know, what about the rights of the unborn babies, the rights of children, the rights of everyone? That's the question everyone's been asking. What about those, Pastor Tony? That statement, I don't even know what it means. That just that just sounds like garbage. Well, the clear implication is that if you ask for equal rights, no matter which community you are involved with, you are in league with Satan. Which is really funny when you consider the fact that Pastor Tony Green just expects the right to post whatever he wants on his sign on a public street, in this case Magnolia Avenue, where everyone can see it and not garner any fallout. (laughs) Well... The right of free speech doesn't guarantee the lack of public opinion or the absence of consequences. Hey, are you getting more coffee? I would also like some more coffee. Mm, Why? So you can be equal to me? That makes you the devil. You are not the first person to make that claim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now let's jump back in Knoxville history a little bit to the year 2014. Not much of a jump. Yeah, time travel is lonely. Mm. And not an exact science either. Police were called to Sun Chase Apartments off of Cedar Bluff Road in Posh, West Knoxville. The apartment complex has since gone through a name change, and we couldn't be arsed to drive by and remember what it's called now. Doesn't matter. A 61-year-old woman had been stabbed. Police were called, and of course, where did police go? Local television news follows. Uh No one was quite sure what was going on until Katie Nichols, the victim's daughter, came outside and confessed the crime to a local news reporter. The satanic cult in this city has been casting satanic spells on me for four, three, four days. I'm exhausted. I came home, I found out that my mom was the ringleader, and she was trying to kill my daughter. Nichols tells me she had to act because her mom was putting curses on them. I had to kill her, she was going to kill both of us. She was so powerful, I had no idea. I had no idea that my mother was that powerful. When I left, she was still breathing. Well, that's good. I stabbed her three times, and she should have died. She was still breathing, and I don't know what happened to her afterwards. I don't know where they took her or what exactly happened, but 
She was the Antichrist. She did not die. Nichols says afterwards, she and her daughter hid out. We went in my car, and we ended up in a little rural area, and we just waited for the sign to, it was safe to come back. Now that Nichols is in custody, neighbors say they're hopeful she'll get the help she needs. But Nichols is convinced she did everyone a favor. She had a sim symbolic representations of my death, my daughter's death, every nuclear explosion that was supposed to happen that's not going to now. Because all of the satanic cult has been rounded up and killed now. If there were a satanic cult that large in Knoxville, I'm quite sure we would have gotten a flyer in the mail, an email, something. You would think it's not like we're not on the radar. Right? Nichols st um, strangled her mother by shoving a sock in her mouth until she lost consciousness. Then she stabbed her in the stomach, the neck, and the chest with a pair of scissors and two knives. So basically, hell on a cell, 1999. Yeah. Nichols was charged with attempted first-degree murder and especially aggravated kidnapping. And hopefully, Katie Nichols was sent someplace where she could get the psychiatric help she desperately needed. Yeah, but what if she's right? One of her mother really was the Antichrist, and she actually did save us all from years under hell's reign. Then where the fuck was she while Lost was on? Oh, Jesus. I mean, if that show wasn't a demonic plot, I don't know what was. Look, we do not talk about that show on this show. <laughs> we do not talk about that show at all, ever. It is too soon, and I am not ready. Well, that's going to do it for Satan in the News. We'll be back as soon as the cock crows three times. Howdy, folks. Got blood, violence, freaks and nature. you come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I am your guide to Cinnamon Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sin Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. My name is Mike. You may know me from the Evil Episodes podcast, where we talk about all that's good and bad on horror television. But I watch a lot of movies, too, and you can hear me and my panel of guests talk about these on the Not So Evil Episodes sidecast. My name is Doug. You may know me from the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Every month, we choose a theme that allows us to talk about some movies that don't always get the love or seething hatred they deserve. My name is Iris. You may know me from the Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts podcast. 
Whether we're defending a movie we love or ripping apart a movie we hate, you can always expect some spirited and passionate discussion about movies on the Not So Eagle episode podcast. My name is X. You may know me from the Kiss the Goat podcast. Join us once a month for unpredictable, not safe for work discussion about some of the best and worst movies ever made. There's not often a fight, but sometimes there is. That's the Not So Evil episode sidecast, turning movies inside out for your listening pleasure. You can find us on the Horror Philly Network, the Legion Network, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. The evil power of black magic has fascinated millions of moviegoers. In 1967, Rosemary's Baby. In 1974, The Exorcist. And now... A motion picture that probes further into the mysteries of the occult that any has dared before. 98% of so-called Satanists are nothing but pathetic freaks who get their kicks out of dancing naked in freezing churchyards. I have a feeling I'm dealing with that other 2%. Richard Widmark challenges Christopher Lee for the soul of a girl named Catherine in the terrifying film of Dennis Wheatley's sensational bestseller, To the Devil, a Daughter. Te adoro et te invoco. They've got Catherine. We've got to get her back before it's too late. this ceremony has been performed, I shall destroy you, John Burney. The demons hate you, Rainer. They're waiting for you. Catherine. Catherine. You are warned. The full shock, the full satanic horror, is yet to be revealed. It's a me! Don't! You just heard Full Frontal Nudity in the trailer to the 1976 movie To the Devil, a Daughter. In the mid-1970s, the once great British film company, Hammer Studios, was floundering. The gothic films they built their reputation on were, frankly, going out of style. Their attempts to stay current, including To the Devil, a Daughter, were financial and critical failures. The studio made one more movie in 1979, which almost bankrupted the studio. They didn't make another film until 2008. This is also the last Hammer movie Christopher Lee appeared in until 2009. But Christopher Lee has a pretty meaty role in The Devil a Daughter. He plays the daughter. (laughs) No, he doesn't. He plays Father Mike, a Catholic priest. Well, kind of a Catholic priest. Well, as the movie begins, Father Mike is being excommunicated from the Holy Church. Non 
et abominalis factis sunt in studius suis, non est qui faciat bonum, non est usque ad unum, suspensus est de divinis, id est de officio sacerdotali, et ex communicatus ex unione fidelium, sine vera penitentia et Excommunicate. It is not heresy. And I will not recant. I guess that makes him Mother Mike? <laughs> well, they don't take away his collar, though, so he could still use it, you know, for special occasions. Well, Father Mike doesn't take his excommunication too seriously. He simply takes his act to another location. So a few years later, we see him on the island of Belarus. 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 Balls nope. over, where nope. he's hanging out with some nuns, and one of them, named Sister Catherine, is on her way to visit her father in London. It's like a birthday furlough. She gets to leave the order once a year, and when she arrives at the airport, she is met by her chaperones, who ensure that she gets on the plane safely. It's then that we meet the character John Verney, played by Richard Widmark, and the question has to be asked... What the fuck is Richard Widmark doing in this movie? He's one of Hollywood's great tough guys. He was in Kiss of Death, and he pushed an old woman in a wheelchair down a flight of steps and laughed about it. He was fucking... He was Jim Bowie in the Alamo. He was in Irwin Allen's movie, The Swarm, where he fought off Africanized killer bees with a fucking flamethrower. Point taken. Continue. <laughs> well, in this movie, Vernie is an author, and he writes about black magic. Like you do. Like you do. The character is based loosely on author Dennis Wheatley, who wrote the book this movie is based on. Now, in real life, Wheatley hated this movie because the script deviated so much from his novel. He wanted nothing to do with it, and he wouldn't allow Hammer Studios to adapt any more of his fiction to the screen after this. Uh-huh. Well, Vernie is at this weird posh book signing slash art gallery show in London where he is approached by a very nervous Denim Elliot. You know him better as Marcus from the Indiana Jones movies. Elliot plays Mr. Beddoes, and he has some information for Vernie. We don't get to hear what that information is while they're talking, but whatever it is, it impels Vernie to rush off to Heathrow Airport and kidnap Sister Catherine. He just tells her that he's an emissary from her father, and she leaves with him. <laughs> nuns are stupid <laughs> stupid nun <laughs> it turns out that Mr. Beddoes is Sister Catherine's father Some weird shit's going on here and Beddoes believes that Vernie can protect his daughter from whatever is going on now Sister Catherine is played by Nastasia Kinski, the daughter of legendary creepy actor Klaus Kinski. And it's worth noting that even in a full habit and wimple, she's ridiculously hot. Yeah, she is. <laughs> in a really weird teenage sort of way. <laughs> Meanwhile, Christopher Lee is leaving his home on the island of misfit ex-priests and is heading towards London. But 
he really is on an island and he has to leave by boat. And I really don't know why it's so funny to see a nun operating an outboard engine, but it is. <laughs> it's nice to me anyway. <laughs> Stupid nun. <laughs> now here's where it starts to get a bit convoluted, so try to follow along. Yep, everybody get your scorecards out. Father Mike's little tribe has always been, and it's called the Children of the Lord. Catherine was given to the order after the death of her mother, so she's been raised by Father Mike and his hench people. She gets to visit her real father, Mr. Beddoes, on her birthday, like we said, but her birthday just happens to be All Hallows' Eve. <laughs> All Catherine's daddy is a little paranoid, a little bit weird. He calls Catherine at Vernie's house and tells her to trust Vernie, but not to try to find him or contact him. Now, she's saddened by this, of course, but his cautionary behavior is a good thing, since while he's talking to her on the phone, he is attacked by one of Father Mike's goons. <laughs> so Beddoes ends the conversation very politely because one must have manners even while being threatened with a firearm. Well, yeah. Hanging up in quiet desperation is the English way. Beddoes ends up shooting the guy, though, which is kind of amazing because he's a fucking sweaty, shaky mess. <laughs> I don't know how he was able to shoot straight. Well, Father Mike has his hands full. Uh, one of the members of his order is pregnant, and she is bitten to pop. More labor than parliament, I tell you. <laughs> birth is never easy. For some weird reason, Father Mike decides to make it even more difficult. He ties the expectant mother's wrists to the bed and ties her legs together at the knees. Now, this is not how normal births work. You usually have to your legs, don't you? Yeah, that's the normal procedure. But this woman also refuses any morphine for her pain. It's a weird way to show that you're a badass. I'm going to shove this baby up my asshole. Because I believe in natural birth. I'll show you, hippies. <laughs> well, there is nothing natural about this birth. So... In case you were unclear about this, Christopher Lee is the bad guy. What? Right? He is an excommunicated priest messing about genetics and home birth. He's probably not going to be your hero. And the woman currently going through the home birth, with her legs tied together, is one of Catherine's chaperones and protectors. Now, Vernie starts working on some astrology. Catherine is having a dream and possible cramps. She's feeling the same pains as the woman having birth, and all of these things somehow mirror each other, even though they are miles apart. The home birth's pretty fucked up. The woman's mouth is bleeding, and her stomach is swelling and pulsating like my stomach after I eat too much bread. Note never take eggs to the Olive Garden. It's a bad scene. It's funny because it's true. All this time, Father Mike is smiling like he's never been happier. So this baby is finally born off screen, and he's placed into a steel incubator. Looks like it's powered by coal. 
and Father Mike kills the mother with an overdose of drugs because fuck the natural mother, right? The baby is all that matters. Well, of course. And we don't even get to see the fucking baby because it's placed on a private plane and shuffled off to London. When the plane lands, they are met by a private ambulance with a fancy schmancy, not operated by a coal furnace, incubator. It's also accompanied by Father Mike, who has a vested interest in this baby and is probably footing the bill for all of this private transportation. Now, poor little innocent Sister Catherine has had a night of disturbing dreams. She dreamed she was a baby being born, and she was all bloody and fucked up, and everybody was appalled by her appearance except for Father Mike, who was smiling like a high school nerd getting sucked off by a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Now, Catherine tells Vernie that she truly believes Father Mike is doing good work, that he wants to do great things with the youth of today. She's not precisely sure what that entails, but she's all for it. Bernie is convinced that something terrible is going to happen on her birthday. He just can't figure out what it is. Father Mike and the Funky Bunch are concerned because they haven't heard from Beddoes, or, more importantly, the man they sent to kill Beddoes. <laughs> So Father Mike calls Beddoes on the phone and starts trying to magic him over the phone. He wraps a rope around his hand, and suddenly Beddoes sees a snake wrapped around his own hand. <laughs> so being a weak-willed, sniveling some bitch, Beddoes instantly rats Vernie out, and the cultists set out after him. And now it's time for a flashback! Hooray! is really good at this point we need one there's way too much weird shit going on maybe we'll get some clarity so it's the night that Catherine was born okay now Catherine is immediately promised to the service of satan by father mike her mother has died during childbirth her father waits behind a curtain until all the noise dies down now it's important that Beddoes keep his damn mouth shut so using, using Catholic devil magic, Father Mike conjures the spirit of Catherine's recently deceased mother. And she has this giant golden pendant that she says represents the element of fire. So if he tells anyone what he knows, then he will be killed by fire. Yeah. Well, Beddoes takes the pendant, but then Father Mike takes it away from him. Basically... He tells Beddoes he is a huge, cowardly piece of shit, and he better watch his ass, or else Father Mike's badass crew of lapsed Catholics will rip his face off. In the present time, the incubator is being moved into an abandoned temple. Father Mike calls out to Catherine telepathically, and she responds, also telepathically. There's a small, wrapped, golden box on the side table, ostensibly a birthday gift. So Catherine opens it, and it's a necklace with the craziest fucking pendant we've ever seen on it. It is! It's an inverted cross, but on the tall post sticking up towards your face, there's a dude. And I swear to God, it looks like he's impaled on it. And he's got his legs stretched out to either side like he's doing a pommel horse routine in the Olympics. 
<laughs> I looked this shit up, guys, you know, as I tend to do with weird symbols and iconography, and there is nothing. Now, the movie says it's called The Cross of Astaroth. Bullshit! It's the cross that doesn't fucking exist except in this movie. But it looks like an old Soviet statue. Like, call me on a stick. It's pretty graphic. It is. It's also pretty silly, and I still want one. (laughs) Catherine is now completely under the spell of the lapsed Catholics, and she is compelled to enter a sort of fugue state and walk to the temple. Hypnotized and staggering through London is no way to go through life, son. Well, you know, unless you're doing a pub crawl. That's true, that. Yeah. Well, Vernie sees her gimping about town, and that's when Catherine reveals that she has taken Astaroth as her own personal lord and savior. Who is this? Astaroth. The devil. He is our lord, Lord Astaroth. He's evil. He is good. I want to do good for the world to serve my lord. They've chosen you, haven't they? Well, we hoped it was true, and we were absolutely right. And now it's time for a special combination flashback slash dreams slash fantasy sequence. (laughs) Hooray? Uh, We see the terrible home birth victim being shtooped by Father Mike. Well, you can't say shtooped about that. They're Catholics. Shtooped is a Yiddish word. Fine. Um, we see that terrible home birth victim being molested by Father Mike. Is that better? I'll take it. All right. Now, she's wearing an Astaroth mask while Father Mike does the holy drilling. Meanwhile, there's also someone breaking Catherine's wafer. Oh, it's her father. So they are Catholic after all. (laughs) Well, then Catherine starts freaking out and having hallucinations. Uh, She sees this thing that looks like a combination of a puppy and the Eraserhead baby in one of Vernie's living room mirrors, and she screams and points at the mirror. And Vernie breaks the mirror. Which interrupts the mental communication between Catherine and the children of the Lord, and she passes out. Why not? Well, since the mental telepathy thing isn't working anymore, Father Mike just calls her on the phone. Why didn't he do that earlier? Because it's nowhere near as impressive as telepathy. (laughs) Well, goodness, what is? (laughs) Right? So Bernie, or sorry, Vernie picks up the phone and Father Mike is all, is Catherine there? And Vernie's all, who's Catherine? And Father Mike is all, I know she's there, just let me talk to her. And Bernie's all, I don't think she wants to talk to you right now. And then Father Mike is all, I just want to see her for a minute. Just one minute, please, so I can explain. And Bernie's all, no way, dude, she's staying with me. And then Father Mike just fucking hangs up. But in the next scene, you see Father Mike parked outside of Bernie's house. He's holding a boombox over his head. He's blasting old Peter Gabriel. And Catherine comes out and says she loves him, and then they get on a plane and fly away. The end. No, that's not right at all. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. Vernie and his friends tie Catherine to a bed. Lots of that going on in this movie. <laughs> there really is. Well, Vernie goes to visit the bishop. Okay, Gibbous! Don't move! The bishop! Right? 
Well, the bishop says Father Mike was a terrible person who didn't understand what being a priest meant. He wanted to worship man over God, which is not even in the job description. Well, and Father Mike also wanted to create an avatar. The last airbender. Wrong avatar. Oh. He wanted to create a personification of the devil to roam the earth. Now, recalling Beto's notes, Verney asks for permission to read The Grimoire of Astaroth. <laughs> Which is another giant piece of bullshit for this movie because that doesn't exist either. Regardless, they go into the basement library where the ancient tomes are locked up with chains so they can't be stolen. And Vernie asks to read the pages that Father Mike read. It's like stealing recipes from each other, I guess. And once again, Father Mike calls Catherine, this time using the psychic way instead of the telephone. Well, she's tied up. I mean, she couldn't answer the phone anyway. Exactly. Except she has gotten out of her bonds and is free to wander around London again. And she kills Vernie's agent, who did a really shitty job of watching over Catherine, and Catherine escapes into the city. And boy, is that dead woman's husband mad. Shh. And I'm thinking, man, she had one fucking job. Just one job. Keep watch over a tied-up nun. And she couldn't even pull that off. Catherine doesn't spend too much time blithering about in London before she runs right into the arms of one of the cult members. I guess they found each other, like, sonar? Satanic sonar? I don't know. It makes as much sense as anything else in this movie. Well, Vernie and his buddy break into Catherine's father's house. He's still alive, but he's a shitting mess. He's hiding upstairs in the attic inside a crudely drawn chalk pentagram. He's drunk, and he's slurring, and he's terrified. So Vernie tells him that they're going to baptize Catherine with the blood of Astaroth. Because that's how this works. But we're going to get to that in a second. This freaks Beto's out. And he insists that Vernie retrieves the pact for him. And by that he means the element of fire pendant, which is hidden behind a secret panel in a nearby church. Well, if he knew where it was, why didn't he... Don't. Don't. Just don't. You're going to muddle things up even more. (sighs) All right. Well, home birth baby is still alive, by the way. Still in the incubator, still with the cultists. And when Vernie and his buddy make it to the church, the hallucinations begin. No, they're real. No, they're hallucinations. <laughs> we we don't, don't know. No, at all. <laughs> now, Catherine's dead mother gets up off the altar, bloody as shit. And starts talking crazy Satan shit. I don't even know. Vernie gets the pendant out of the altar, and his friend grabs it out of his hand and immediately catches on fire. It's those 70s polyester suits, man. They go up like a fucking single-wide trailer in Nebraska during the summer. Dude, he is a pile of ash within 90 fucking seconds. And then, Bernie sees a vision of Father Mike in a stained glass window and collapses in a heap. All right, now let's try again. 
to start <laughs> hacking our way through this shit. So when Catherine was born, uh-huh. she was baptized in the blood of her dead mother. This is not a standard christening, but, you know, whatever. whatever. Um, the plan now is to baptize her with blood again, only this time, when that happens, she will be the living embodiment of the demon Astaroth. Right. So, apparently, you are whatever they say you are when you get baptized. Mm-hmm. You're a blueberry! You're a gibbon! You're a 1973 AMC gremlin. Shit, this could be fun. We need more blood. More blood! (laughs) Well, one of the Satanists literally bleeds herself dry, sacrificing herself for the baptism ceremony. Twat. And then it gets weird. Yeah, just now. Just now it gets weird. (laughs) It does. Remember the weird little baby seal-looking thing that Catherine saw in the mirror? That is the baby thing from the incubator. It's real and it's fucked up. It looks like a baby guild navigator from David Lynch's film version of Dune. <laughs> Shit, you not. So Catherine is lying outside on a stone altar because those are comfortable and good for your back. And the little baby muskrat with a human face kind of <laughs> gips its way up the side of the altar leaving a trail of blood behind it like an injured snail, and it works its way in between Catherine's legs. All the way in between Catherine's legs. <laughs> in fact, she pushes it into herself like it's some kind of sentient diaphragm, and there's blood all over her bush and her stomach, and it's more than just a little disturbing. Yeah, but it's more silly. Well, yeah, it's, it, it is more silly. It's kind of like fisting yourself with a hand puppet based on a particularly horrid children's show. <laughs> Imagine shoving Tinky Winky up your cooter. Oh, God! Tinky Winky! <laughs> well, when, when Bernie shows up, Father Mike is busy drawing a circle with blood around the altar Vernie has bashed an Astaroth minion in the head with a rock. Totally killed the guy. So Father Mike uses his Catholic magic brain control by showing Vernie what he could have if he just gives up and lets Father Mike do his thing. And we see Sister Catherine stand up off of the altar and strip completely naked. Full frontal Nastasha Kinski, and ladies and gentlemen, at last, we have a payoff. You know she was 14 when she filmed that, right? Okay, look, I know you're trying to harsh my full frontal buzz right now, but it should be stated that in the UK at that time, that was not illegal. But she was illegal. But filming her naked was not. It's it's still kind of a slippery slope, dude. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> That's not funny. So what? I can't watch Walkabout because Jenny Agutter was 16 when she filmed her nude scenes? I can't watch uh, American Beauty because Thora Birch was underage when she filmed her topless scene? Thora's father was on the set when it happened. 
and Walkabout is a modern classic. There's a Criterion version of it, for fuck's sake. I love that movie. All I'm saying is it's just a little bit off. Brooke Shields was 12 when she filmed Pretty Baby with Louis Malle. You're defending this awfully hard. Look, there was no penetration in any of the scenes I just described, so you can't call any of those scenes pornographic. You were 14 once. Yeah. So were you. And you were doing the same thing I was doing. (laughs) Not yet, but I was practicing. Yeah. All right, so we're going to drop this, but the Acolytes may have something to say about it. Well, that's what the Facebook group page is for. Indeed, you perv. Can we get back to the movie, please? Right. So, Father Mike and Vernie are gearing up for their final showdown. Now, Father Mike tells Vernie that if he attempts to kill Astaroth, the demon will destroy his soul. Then Father Mike says that the entire hillside they are standing on is made of flint, and that is the official stone (laughs) of Astaroth. (laughs) Who the fuck decides that? That's like having Gatorade be the official drink of the Special Olympics. I want an official rock. Oh, you do, huh? In fact, I want a rock to tie a piece of string around. Well, everybody wants a rock to tie a piece of string around. Well, Vernie's rock is special because it has the blood of Father Mike's disciple on it, so the demons will protect him. It's a swerve. Vince McMahon couldn't have done it better. Vernie chucks the rock at Father Mike's head, and he fucking disappears. Poof. Gone. So Vernie grabs Catherine off the altar, and the film turns all funny colors, and the entire circle, complete with a stone altar, disappears. Everything just fucking disappears except the... The blood on Catherine's forehead. So we don't really know if Catherine is evil or not. She's got the blood on her face... She could still be the avatar of Astaroth. Uh-huh. But that's just a christening. I'm pretty sure Father Mike was headed for full immersion. But he's Catholic. Catholics don't do full immersion. You've seen The Godfather. You know how they do this. That's true. But it doesn't really matter because we will never fucking know the movie is over. God damn it all so much. What the fuck happened? I don't know! Why don't you know? Oh, why don't you? I don't know! We'll be back to wrap this fucker up. Three Questions is coming up next, and we'll be back in three shapes of a 14-year-old sale. It is not heresy, and I will not recant. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's some 40s and some bitches, baby, yeah! Me? I like beer. If you like all that and none of those artsy-fartsy films... Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival! Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film 
as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how as raunchy as we can. What's this movie PG? Oh, yeah. This podcast is fucking... Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. <laughs> you don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. <laughs> fucking curb stomp a baby for a baconator. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that... Come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off. We have returned. Once again, it is time for America's favorite game of romance and intrigue. Three questions! Three questions! Question number one. Is To the Devil a Daughter truly a devil movie? <laughs> Dude, no way. Nope. I have no fucking clue what the hell is <laughs> To the Devil a Daughter. I mean, really. Astaroth? Okay, so granted, Astaroth became a demon of, of some sorts and some higher level, but originated as a goddess. And it, the devil never really fucking showed up. This was like... This was like Aleister Crowley's great-grandfather decided to play around with some kind of demon in blood and wanted to resurrect this being and into a body, and it was really convoluted and strange. And I have no idea what the fuck happened in the end, other than there was full frontal. Right, from a 14-year-old, which he gave me shit about. Yeah, because... Dude. Yeah, well, you know what? When your dad is Klaus Kinski, those lines kind of blur. There's really nothing you can do about that. I mean, shit, look at Ozzy Argento. Mm-mm. <laughs> I knew you were going there. I knew you were going to Ozzy. Oh, that poor girl. Yeah, this is not a devil movie. This is an Astaroth movie. And I want to um, kind of... Trace it back here. It's correct that Astaroth was originally a female demon. But what's funny is, since we've chosen this for um, 
Easter. Our, our Easter episode, Astaroth, was known as Easter. And what what was it, Samaria? Something like that. I'll find it. Hold on a second. Excuse me, listeners, while I look at Google. Um, Astaroth was her Hebrew name. Astaroth is her Hebrew name. She's also known in Babylonian as Ishtar, which is also a Dustin Hoffman, Warren Beatty movie that's not as bad as everyone says. Um, She's Astarte in the Greek, but in the Anglo-Saxon and the English, her name is Easter. And there you have it. So there you go. So really, to the devil a daughter just means that Nastasha Kinski's the Easter Bunny. I can get behind that. I can get behind that, too, especially if she wears that costume with the puffy tit. I'm sorry, never mind. She was 14, and I know this. So, on to question number two. On a scale of one to six, how many horns high do you give to the devil a daughter? It's convoluted as balls. And Richard Widmark looks like he does not know what he's doing throughout this entire movie. It just looks like he's constantly waiting for someone to sign his check mm-hmm. so he can go the fuck home. <laughs> so he's he's not happy. He's not good, and it's because he's obviously not happy in this movie. But that affects everything else because he's really the main character. So I can't really give it more than three horns high, even though there is that full frontal scene that I'm not allowed to talk about anymore. Yeah. Which would have put it up to like a five. You know, I, I'll i give it a two and a half. Um, Christopher Lee, he's amazing, I think, in anything he touches. Um, and I actually, I really liked Nastasia. She was kind of... Um, kind of stiff and kind of stilted and very confrontational her character was but i liked her you you would expect that out of you know someone who has come out of such a secluded background you'd expect her to come out kind of weird and socially awkward kind of yeah kind of raising fists and you know kind of nail kind of so yeah that that makes sense to me and i agree that was a really good performance um so yeah, three for me, two and a half for you. That's that seems that seems about right. Okay. All right. So finally, why should our listeners watch *To the Devil a Daughter*, or should they? <clears throat> well, probably for the reasons that I cited, just for my rating, you know, for for the movie in general. It's just it's fucking Christopher Lee. I mean, just watch everything he's in. What the fuck? I don't think Christopher Lee has ever turned in a bad performance. Yeah. And anything he's ever been in, regardless of how shitty the script is, Chris Lee just elevates it to another level. Um, But I think you should watch this from a historical point of view, just to see where Hammer Studios was before they kind of bit the big one. Um, Before before roaring back this century, just a few years ago, when they redid The Woman in Black, which was, I don't care what you all say, The Woman in Black was fucking amazing. That was fantastic. That was a really well done, creepy ghost story. And that's the kind of shit Hammer is known for. So when Hammer went modern, they kind of fucked it up because they tried way too hard. They did shit like, and and don't get me wrong, I love Dracula AD 1971, (laughs) 
but that was not a movie Hammer should have made. They should have farmed that out somewhere else. Um, but yeah, if you want to see where Hammer was before it died and then was resurrected, definitely watch To the Devil a Daughter, so you can kind of see uh, the mistakes that were made from a historical standpoint. Bear witness to the descent. Exactly. So now is the time on KTG when we Woo-hoo! drink Touch My Monkey. Um, and you should drink too, because fuck, if you're watching To the Devil a Daughter and you decide to drink yourself into oblivion with Astaroth, you may as well do it with us too, right? I mean, shit, who's your buddy? Who's your pal? It's us, isn't it? <laughs> it's time for America's favorite game of building immunities. Drinking with the Devil. Where your love of bad movies meets your disdain for your own liver. Drink! Whatever Christopher Lee gives a big, toothy grin at a completely inappropriate time. <laughs> Which he does lots. <laughs> Drink! Whenever someone's neck vein bulges. That happens a lot, too. Uh, Drink whenever you see a nun driving a boat. (laughs) Drink whenever Denim Elliot looks terrified. And finally, our Grandmaster Challenge, drink whenever Nastasia Kinski does not look like she's 14. Oh, you have a daughter! Yeah, and she's legal! And she's not Nastasia Kinski! Regardless, ew! Please remember that we here at Kiss the Goat do not condone underage drinking or alcohol abuse. However, or pedophilia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> However, no, not pedophilia. <laughs> Forget we said that, guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> underage drinking. I said not pedophilia. <laughs> at it, at okay. any rate, regardless, they have always. They've always worked, worked for, us. for us, except for the pedophilia. All right, mm-hmm. now, now, let's get down to the nittiest of gritties. What? Just, just, just do it. Fine. <laughs> it's time for America's favorite game of who, where, when, why, and what the fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to Ask the Goat. I'll send you a love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker! You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker! You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever! Where your demonic duo answer your questions and question your answers. As Cootie rummages about in the malevolent mailbag... Let's rummage, rummage! Let me remind you that you can always ask us a question on our Facebook group page which is Facebook slash group slash Kiss the Goat. Drop us a line, meet the other crazy bastards who hang around with us, and I don't fucking even know why they do, <laughs> but they do, and have a good time with the acolytes at the last bastion of freedom on the internet, the Kiss the Goat group page. You can also, if you prefer, send us a message at our evil email, which is the Goat of Madness at gmail.com. Who is our first message from tonight, Cootie Bug? It's Mike Merriman. He wants to know if we've ever discussed a movie on Kiss the Goat that X has hated more than he hated the remake of The Hitcher. No. (laughs) And we never will. Next. (laughs) Well, Mike also wants to know if Ted Cruz running for president is finally a sign of the end times that will make true believers out of all of us. 
Oh, Jesus. Look, Ted Cruz is a fucking moron. He's an idiot. He's Sarah Palin with a dick. We survived that slimy twat. I think we'll survive uh, having to look at Ted Cruz until next November. Because he won't fucking win. There's no... There is no way Ted Cruz will win. He'll get assassinated before that happens. I hope. I hope he gets assassinated by a black gay man. (laughs) Here, here. Alan McPherson, the cerebral assassin, wants to know which actor or actress has yet to play the devil that we wish would play the devil. Well, I'm going to stay behind my the first time we were asked this question I think was if there was a, a woman that were to play the devil that hasn't already who would we wish it to be and and my answer remains Juliette Lewis because she is batshit fuck me crazy and she's hot and I want to see that I would like to see Tom Atkins play the devil fuck yeah Tom motherfucking Atkins He's got the mustache, he's got that grin, he's got the leer to do it. Not to mention, most of the time when you see the devil, he's got an English accent. Why is that? That's bullshit. Is that it? That's fucking it, isn't it? It's playing the bad guys. Oh my god. Okay, well I want a straight up American devil... And by the gods, there is nobody more fucking all-American than I can think of than goddamn Tom motherfucking Atkins. Sam Elliott. Tom Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. I can get behind Tom Atkins. All right, so Alan also wants to know, sausage, bacon, or ham? Oh, God. I know, and Joe Nance pipes in to say that the answer to that question will dictate whether or not we can still be friends. So, you know, no pressure. (sighs) (laughs) And here's why that's hard. I've been on a keto diet for the last few months, and I consistently fuck up. It's like, I'm on a keto diet, I'm great. I'm rocking it for a week, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I would like to have seven bags of barbecued Fritos. So I only go so far, and then I I sabotage myself, and I fuck everything up. But I've got to say, out of all three of sausage, bacon, or ham, I have to go with ham. And here's why. I have a reason for this. Ham is delicious, it is easily sliced, and it doesn't seem really fatty when you're eating it. Whereas sausage or bacon, it's like you buy this meat, and half of it just fucking melts away. It just drips. And that's just, that's wasted money to me. And I realize that on a ketosis diet, I should be eating bacon. I have been told repeatedly by many people who are on it that bacon is really nature's perfect food for a keto diet. I can't justify spending the money on a food that I know I'm going to get half of when I'm done cooking it. So I go with ham. I can eat it hot. I can eat it cold. I can eat it in a box. I can eat it with a fox. And I like it. I don't eat pork. (laughs) 
Period. <laughs> End of story. It's true. It's nasty. I won't touch the shit. I blame my Jewish ancestry. My grandmother's maiden name was Rosenbaum. There you, there go. you go. Ew. So, she's had to make a lot of adaptations since I've been on the keto diet. You know, she wears gloves when she touches me now, just because I'm like a big sweat pork machine. Yeah, you know, so, latex on the lips when we kiss. It's yeah. Yeah, it's it's been it's been horrible. Worth it though, I think. <laughs> we'll see if I start posting public pictures again. You'll see. Anyway, hey, look, Mike Merriman has shown up again, and he's got a very good question: charcoal or gas? Solar power, Mike. He's talking about grilling, Cootie. Oh, really? You can't heat a home on charcoal. Good point. <laughs> um, the answer is charcoal. Yeah, all the way. As far as taste goes, yeah. charcoal. Shit, yeah. You get that real smoke from fucking compressed... Yeah, absolutely charcoal. Mm-hmm. Gas grills are for cowards. So, on that note, our favorite stalker, Mike Stewart, says, I'm not sure if this has been asked before, but as I sit outside in my van across the street from your house, whittling on my sharp, pointy object, I wonder, how did you two acquire the X and Cootie names? I knew that motherfucker was stalking us. I said it a month ago. (laughs) Ah, shit. Are we going to do this for reals? Let's do this for reals. Alright. I was working at a horrible uh, corporation, a horrible faceless corporation, mm-hmm. um, where the people who worked there were just treated like cattle as by, by the higher-ups. So when I started working there, not only did they spell my first name incorrectly, they got my middle initial completely wrong. Um, so... Really, the case can be made that I never worked there because they fucked up my yep. name so bad. Um, but yeah, instead of giving me a W for my middle initial, they gave me an X, which was way fucking cooler than a W. <laughs> so I told my friends about it, and they just started. They started calling me X, and it stuck. And now that's what that's what everybody calls me, except Doug Tilly. Um, Doug Tilly still calls me Jeff, and that's fine. I'm, a, I'm, I'm willing to let that slide, but literally everyone else in my life except, okay, Doug and my mother. <laughs> um, and Cootie's mother. mother yeah, call, yeah like the, everybody else calls me X, and that's just, that's who I am now. That's how I live, so that's all right. Right, and working for the same nameless, faceless corporation, um, we had a small group of friends, uh, X and I did, and we would amuse ourselves and distract ourselves from our, our misery by having conversations through email um, while at work. And during these email conversations, sometimes we got pretty deep and, and <laughs> pretty far out there. And I had a knack for bringing the conversation back around and kind of cutting through the bullshit. And X, um, for some reason, at that point, started calling me Cootie Bug. And uh, that stuck. So all of our friends started calling me Cootie, and um, it stuck. And so now everybody except for my mother and um, his mother <laughs> call, call me Cootie. I think, my, I think my mother does call you Cootie. 
She might. I think. <laughs> I think. I think does. you called her. You called me Cootie to her before you. You called me Hannah. So she probably just knows me as Cootie mostly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that, it's that initial imprinting. Yeah. And you know what? It's the red. It's the red hair. Is that? I think I, I somehow associated the red hair with the cootie bug from the game, and it just made me laugh for some dumbass reason at 4.30 in the afternoon, so who knows? I think that was it. Right. So anyway, there you go. That's the story behind X and Cootie. Um, Chuck Knight has a couple of questions, and he says, Hey, y'all, if tin whistles are made of tin, what do they make bullhorns out of? Bullshit. Tin. Tin bullshit. As far as I, t- tin horns. Yeah. That's oh. where the that's where that's where the word tin horn comes oh, from. Okay. I don't know. It's probably not. Seriously, he says. When are you going to review that filthy piece of satanic cinema we know as bed knobs and broomsticks? Wow, what a piece of classic satanic propaganda! And don't get me started on the black cauldron. All right, now look, Chuck. <laughs> We need to talk about bed knobs and broomsticks real quick because I don't see that as a piece of satanic propaganda. If that's propaganda for anything, it's the United Kingdom. I haven't seen that since I was like eight. I don't even remember. Dude, it. the whole th- the whole thing is literally rule Britannia. And if you have to rule it with witchcraft, then so be it. The movie was made around the same time that Gerald Gardner established the ground rules of Wicca. There you go. So it's not a surprise to me that that was, you know, um, an influence on the script. But I've always considered that to be more British propaganda than satanic propaganda. Now, the Black Cauldron, that's Disney. So it's odd. Well, so it's bedknobs and broomsticks. But Black Cauldron was like, what, mid-80s Disney? So, yeah, that's automatically satanic. Walt, Walt was still alive when Bedknobs and Broomsticks was made. So, I think. So, it could be anti-Semitic. Fuck, I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. But, yeah, everything from, like, the black hole onwards from Disney, complete fucking hell fodder. All right, then. Well, Cindy Sin Fallon wants to know, have you ever had sex in a graveyard with the living? Ooh. Three times. Never. Never had sex in a graveyard, but I have had sex behind a church in full view of windows while there was a youth group meeting going on. I think you're more damned than I, then. You had sex in a graveyard three times. Well, it was three different people. Well, I'm probably not making my case any better, am I? (laughs) Right. This is a gap. We need to take care of this, because this is a gap. (laughs) All right. Uh, Cindy also wants to know, who would you rather fuck, Jesus or Satan, and why? Mm. See, I'm convinced that Jesus was a total fucking stoner. So, um, while that's fun in its own right, I think that Satan would pour me shots and then slap me on the ass and bend me over a table, so I'd probably go with Satan. I really don't want to fuck Jesus or Satan, if I'm honest. Well, it's because you're completely hetero. Yeah, I know. Now, Lilith. Lilith, we're talking. (laughs) Lilith, I will bang that bitch to the Garden of Eden and back. We are good there. So give me Lilith, and we're happy. All right. Well, Joseph Nance comes back with an actual question this time. 
He says, since you're recording on April 1st, what's the best April Fool's joke you've heard of? Well, here's a joke for you, Joe. It's actually still March 31st, so April Fool's to you, motherfucker! <laughs> I really don't know. I think that practical jokes are kind of crap, so I don't... <laughs> I'm not good at them. I'm really yeah. not, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to, like, fucking set up the bucket of pig's blood over the door mm. so that, you know, anybody can have the full carry experience. Well, not again, anyway. That last time was a real yeah, fuck up. Yeah, it really failed. Yeah. Um, so now I'm more just like, hey, dude, your shoelaces in your zipper or something. You know, right. It's going to go with yeah, that. Yeah, it's kind of crap. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. Hey, Vanessa McHenry asks a question that kind of goes along with an earlier question, and Vanessa wants to know if you were making a film featuring Satan as a female, as opposed to a female who works for Satan, who would you cast? Who would be your Lady Lucifer? No, I'm not repeating myself. Your turn. Meg Foster. Meg Foster. Meg Foster. You will know Meg Foster from the original seasons of Cagney and Lacey. You will also know her as the horrible, uh, swervy, evil woman from They Live. And she also played Evil Meg in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren. She's got those pale blue eyes. Oh, fuck! She was the main witch in Lords of Salem. Is swervy actually a word? Um... Swerve, yeah. yeah. Okay. Swervy's a it word. It is now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, she didn't play Satan in the Lords of Salem. She just played Margaret McKinnon. She was the main witch. But just the way her eyes are mm -hmm. and the way she can smile just on the one side of her face and it's so creepy, she would be the perfect female Satan. I love Meg Foster. I think that's called Bell's Palsy, honey. I didn't say Jim Ross. I said <laughs> Meg Foster. <laughs> That's not fair. All right. Talk about good old JR like that. Finally, Lisa Ann Carrillo wants to know, do you bite your toenails? And Alan McPherson joins in the chorus with, do you bite my toenails? If not, any idea who is? <laughs> Alan, I'm pretty sure Lisa's biting your toenails. I think that's right. Maybe you two should talk? Maybe so, if you can get her fucking toes out of her, you know, <laughs> out of her mouth. Uh, no, I, I cannot bite my toenails. Um, I used to be able to, because, you know, I used to be eight and had a spine made out of rubber. But <laughs> at this point, no, I cannot bite my toenails. Well, I could, I guess, if I wanted to, but I, you know... No, that's kind of gross. Not going to do that. Mm -mm. Besides, my toenails are fucking tougher than leather. Jesus Christ. It wouldn't even be biting. It would just be gnawing. <laughs> you know, like hopefully wear a groove so deep that they finally break. <laughs> right. Just like, yeah, you can't cut my nails. They just have to erode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're really nasty. Anyway, wow, thanks for those questions. Hey. Uh, that's it for Ask the Goat. 
Now, speaking of thanks, hey, let's everyone give a heaping helping spoonful of thanks to Jason at Horrorphilia for continuing to let us dirty up his previously respectable network with our own particular brand of filth and degradation. And don't forget to check out our web store for all of your goaty needs. We have goat flasks, goat onesies, goat t-shirts, the whole goat stravaganza. That's at our official website, kissthegoat.weebly.com. It's on the internet! iTunes. 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 Give us love on iTunes. <laughs> We need reviews on iTunes. Please give us reviews on iTunes. We need more five stars on iTunes. 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 All the world is iTunes. All these worlds are yours except for Europa. Attempt no landing there, but give us five star reviews on iTunes. Right. Really. Thank you guys for listening, you filthy animals. It wouldn't be the same without you. Our moms won't listen to our dirty mouths, so we depend on you to put up with our shit. That's going to do it for this episode of Kiss the Goat. <laughs> this circle is closed. Happy Easter, everybody. Until next time, bonk, bonk. I'm Cootie. My name is X. Hell, Hell Satan. Christ looks like me. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ looks like me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 The studio made one more movie in 1979, which almost bankrupted the country. That's not right. Yeah. That's stupid. That should be studio. Studio. You know what? Let's just take that from the top. Back that up and try it again, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Country. What the fuck was that? It bankrupted England. England. England went to England went straight to hell over a Hitchcock remake. Jesus, why did she remake The Lady Vanishes? Now no one can eat. Please, sir, I want some more. Uh, this is X at fucking two in the afternoon. <laughs> Desperately needing more coffee, but too lazy to get up and make it. We'll be back to wrap this fucker up. Three questions is coming. Coming. <laughs> God damn it! All goes to the bloopers. <laughs> I run, my name is my name's Nigel. I run an athletic support shop here in Bowls Over. My name is Mary. It's called Hold Your Bowls Over. Oh. <laughs>
himself cups and jock straps. Man thongs. <laughs> Target tail book plugs. Are they called jock straps? In the, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If I've, that's something I've never even asked. I don't know what. You should ask some of our UK friends. I know. What jock strap is. What should we call it? What would, what would a British man call a jock strap? Okay. I don't know. Cock, <sighs> cock strobler. What is a strobler? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds British. It kicked me right in the cock strobler. And don't forget to check out our web store for all of your goaty needs. We have goat flasks, goat onesies, goat t-shirts, the whole goat stravaganza. That get hot fucking. <laughs> you practice goat that. Goat stravaganza. I can say that. Why did that not come out? <laughs> la, 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 la. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, 